This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I'm glad to see you out again tonight. You're real close there. Go to with me the book of Genesis chapter 6. Now, if you've been here for the last seven weeks, we've been talking about the different laws of, of the spirit realm, the, the spiritual laws. And they're, they're very similar to natural laws. I mean, God set them in motion. And so we go all the way back. And just to review as you're turning to Genesis 6, God created Adam. And you'll remember there in Genesis 1, he said to Adam, he said, I give you dominion over all the things on the earth to subdue it. And so what happens here is when God created Adam, he said, Adam, you're right underneath me. I'm giving you the authority to rule this place called earth. It's in your hands. I've given you dominion to do it. And so what ultimately happens there is when Adam sinned, all the authority that God had given him on this earth was now transferred to the devil. That's why this world we live in is is in such a mess. And so you go back and you look through the history of mankind God's always done things on this earth through people. Always. You go back and look. And so even in Jesus' life, for, for us to have a Savior, Jesus had to come to the earth as a man. And he had to be tempted as a man. And he had to die as a man. And so look right here in Genesis 6. And oftentimes, when God does stuff on this earth, he makes a covenant with mankind. Genesis 6 Uh, Let's just begin in verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, he's describing the way the world was right then. And I don't want to use the word scary. I guess I should say eye-opening. When I read these passages... It literally, to me, describes the way we live right now. Now, keep reading with me. Verse 6. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And the reason he was was the degeneration of the human race was proceeding rapidly. I mean, the wages of sin, man, just was taking effect there. And it wasn't that God didn't love people. God loves people. He just doesn't love what people do. Verse 7, so the Lord said, I will destroy man who I created from the face of the earth, both of men and beasts, creeping things and birds of the air, for I'm sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor. Noah was different. Noah was godly in an ungodly world. Now, watch how scripture defines this man named Noah. Verse 9, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. He was perfect. The word there, perfect, doesn't mean he never sinned or made a mistake. It literally says he was blameless or he had incredible integrity. It's important that me and you learn to live with integrity. Keep reading about this guy. So he was perfect in his generation and Noah walked with God. Noah feared God more than he feared man. And Noah begot three sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth. And the earth was also corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. 
So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all the flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And so what happens with mankind when it comes to sin? Sin begins in our our private life. And when we start getting comfortable with sin in our private life, and our society begins to accept sin, then we become public with it. This is exactly what was taking place in Noah's days. Verse 13. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And so we know the rest of the story here, that God literally floods the earth. But an interesting passage that I find in in Matthew 24, the Lord Jesus says, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the second coming of man. Now that's why I, I said earlier that when I read this passage here, how violence covers the earth. All the the corruption that follows the earth, guys. The second coming of Jesus is going to be marked in a very similar way. And it's doing this rapidly where we're coming to that. Now, same chapter. Look at verse number 18. But I will establish my covenant with you. A man, a man named Noah. God said, I'm going to establish my covenant with you. And you shall go into the ark, your sons, your wife, your son's wives with you. And so literally there were eight of them that got on the ark. Watch the end here in verse 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. So Noah was more concerned to be popular with God than popular with man. But the point is there, God made a covenant with this man named Noah. And when we think about what happened in time, the whole earth was wiped out. And so to bring the earth back where there was a population, it would come through these people. But God made a covenant with him. Turn over a couple pages to Genesis 17. And this is a passage here about a man named Abraham. Verse number 6, and he says to Abraham, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kingdoms shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants, after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants for you. Now, the word covenant there means a pledge, a treaty, or an agreement, and actually the word covenant here is one of the strongest words in the whole Old Testament. It was a big deal for God. And so what ultimately happens is that God made covenant with me and you through the blood of Jesus. And so as we go through this and looking at this, what I want you to see here is God has always used mankind here on earth. He still does. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, we're going to go a little deeper here tonight. We'll get where we need to get, just so we can show you some biblical references here. I want you to see the Bible here. Let the Word of God come alive in you tonight. Just welcome the Word in your life. Uh, Hebrews 10, verse 4. For it is not possible 
that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. Now, what that's talking about, if, if you go back into the Old Testament, they offered the blood of bulls and animals as a, as a sacrifice to God to appease sin. The problem with the blood of animals, it would never take away the guilt that came with sin. And so he's saying right here, it's not possible. That, that didn't satisfy. What would satisfy? Verse 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice, animal sacrifice, or sin offering, you do not desire. Now, this is what Jesus was saying to the Lord. He said, Father God, you don't desire this. So what did God desire? But a body, a physical human body, you have prepared for me. And literally, Jesus' body was to offer to Father God. And when Jesus came to the earth and offered his body, it completely satisfied Father God. You know why? Because Jesus was blameless. Jesus was without sin. So he literally became the perfect sacrifice. But again, right here, you got to understand, Jesus came to earth as a bodily man, the son of man. And so again, in order for God to do things legally, and he does things legally, he had to have a body. So how does the body of Christ, the body of our Lord Jesus, how does that appeal to me and you? How does that look to me and you? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. And we needed a Savior, and thank God we got one. Man, none of us, we'd have never made it. Because every one of us are sinners. Every one of us. We're sinners saved by grace. And so Jesus came and he said, I'll take their place. And he did. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now. Now I like the word now here. Now. You are the body of Christ and members individually. So what Jesus does, Jesus dies on the cross. He does everything that me and you need to, do, need to have to be successful here on earth. Then Jesus leaves this earth and he says, I, I give you authority. I give you all the authority. Matthew 16, 19 says, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, 10, and 11, it says that God bestowed the name that's above every name upon Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and in hell. And so when Jesus died... For us, the body of Christ, he said, here's the authority. Here's my name. This is what it would literally look like. That Jesus would say to me and you, here's my MasterCard. Use it and sign my name to it. Everything we do is in the name of Jesus. E everything. Now, where does that biblically? Well, in Mark 16 in the Great Commission, starting verse 15, Jesus said to me and you, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And in my name, in the name of Jesus, you will lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus and they will recover. And you, in the name of Jesus, will cast out devils and they got to go. And so again, this is what happens as the body of Christ. So literally, you know what Jesus said? You guys are my hands. You're my feet. You're my voice. But everything you do you do it in my name. You do it in my name. So we're the body of Christ. 
Every one of us in here, if you've received Jesus as Lord of your life, you're part of the family of God. And if you're part of the family of God, you've been born again, you can legally use his name now. Right here on earth. Turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to make you jump through some scriptures here early. Matthew chapter 10. See, Jesus gave every one of us authority. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, just hang in here with me, and I want you to see this in Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verse number 1. And when he had called his 12 disciples to them, to him, he gave them, the 12 disciples, power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Now, a lot of times people will get hung up on the word the disciples or the 12 disciples. People will say, well, that was for only the original 12. But when you literally look at the Greek context in this, the disciple is a learner. That's what the word disciple means, a learner. The disciple is one who follows the teacher and the teachings. But when he says this here about the 12 disciples this literal translation, literally in, the, in the, uh, the Greek, it means all other believers. So guess what? Me and you can become disciples of Christ. When I begin to follow his teachings and I follow him and say, Lord, I want to be like you. Help me to become a disciple of yours. And so right there, think about what he just said to them. He said, I give you power. I give you authority. Now watch in verse 8 of that same chapter. Listen listen what he says. And not only was he saying that to the 12, he's saying this to me and you. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely you give. And so when you look at this here, this is literally what we call delegated authority or the power of attorney. And Jesus says, I give it to you. Now, this was how it will look. This may help you. If there was a police officer that he just decides, even though he's got his uniform on and his badge, he's got his gun and everything, he just strolls out on the loop at 5 o'clock and walks out there, there's a good possibility that he's going to get squashed like a bug, even though he's got his uniform on. But when that police officer goes out there, he has his uniform on, he's got his badge on, he's got his gun on, and he's standing in the loop, I don't care how fast you're going, and he does this, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do our best to stop. And when that police officer goes, you know what we're going to do? We're going to turn that way. And when he goes this way, we're going to turn that way. You know what that is? That's delegated power. That's delegated authority. The police officer is no match for a car going 70 miles an hour. But because the delegated authority, it's the same as me and you. I'm no match for the devil until we put Jesus in the equation. And when we put Jesus in the equation, that's why it's very important as children of God. Number one, we got to learn the name of Jesus. We got to learn our authority. We got to learn who we are. The problem that I find more and more with the church as a whole, with believers as a whole, we don't teach on this anymore. We don't do this anymore. 
And I've had believers that have said this out of their mouth to me. Oh, oh, God doesn't do those things anymore. Well, when did he quit? And then if they say, well, he quit a long time ago. He quit with disciples. You know what I say? Show me the verse where it says he quit because you won't find it. You will find in Hebrews 13, 8 that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so again, we better start becoming very, very biblical in the times we live. Now, go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6, and this is where we'll be the rest of the evening. Ephesians chapter 6. And in this passage here, He'll talk about authority. And the, the reason I really, really like for you to get a Bible, take notes, is I want you to write these down. Where you begin to meditate on this, you begin to read it. And you see with your own eyes what it says to you. And I will tell you, this, this passage that I'm fixing to read, I tell you, you got to get this on the inside of you. This is a passage that will literally set you free if you get a hold of this. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, finally. Now, that word finally there, it it doesn't imply in conclusion or this and it, but rather, as, as long as you're on this life, how life is concerned, okay? Finally, my brethren. Now, that's a, that's a big statement there, okay? How do I know I'm his brethren? He's he's addressing me and you as Christians. If you're born again, you're brethren. You're part of the family of God. Well, some people say, no, I'm Baptist. No, you're part of the family of God. I'm going to tell you in heaven, there's not going to be a Methodist group, a Catholic group. We're all going to be up there, okay? That's because we're the family of God. We're the body of Christ. Remember, we read that. We're the body. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. There's not one word in there that tells me and you, you're going to have to be strong in your own powers, your own abilities. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So again, I've got to learn to say, you know what, Lord? I've got to have your help. I gotta have your grace. I need your strength and I need your power. Now, this is what he's he's highlighting to them. But he doesn't say one thing about our power. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. Now remember, the charge or the challenge here is to us as believers. Put on the whole armor of God. So with that statement right there, it tells me we've got an armor. He wouldn't tell me to put on the armor if there wasn't armor. Now in verses really 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, it will describe your armor. The word of God is armor. The breastplate of righteousness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Prayer in, in Ephesians 6, 18. Prayer is part of your armor. Salvation is part of your armor. But he said... Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, if you'll note right there in that passage, he said that you will be able to stand. 
Not one time did he say, I'm going to send Jesus back from heaven and he's going to stand for you. No, remember biblically, the Lord Jesus said, I gave you authority. So he tells me and you, you're going to have to stand. Well, I don't want to stand. Well, you got two choices. You stand or you get wiped out. How do I know that? Well, John 10, 10 says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so in this passage here, he said that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know what the wiles are? The strategies, the ambushes, the tricks of the devil. Understand, guys, the devil's not your friend. He's not my friend. So when we read what he's talking about here, the word stand, it literally means to hold at bay aggressively. I'm going to have to stand and I'm going to have to stand. I remember years ago a man said this to Kenneth Hagin. He said, I need you to pray for me. And he said, what do you want me to pray? And he said, I pray that the devil never bothers me again while I'm on this earth. And Kenneth Hagin looked at him and said, well, I'll just pray you die right now. And he said, no, no, I don't want to die. And he said, no, dude, you don't understand. As long as you're here on the earth, you're going to have to keep putting your armor on. Day by day, day by day, we're told to pick up our cross. Now look what it says here next. For we do not wrestle. We do not wrestle. Now, when I think about the word wrestle, that's when we oppose one another. It's like hand-to-hand combat. Now listen real close to this passage here in verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What does that mean? We don't wrestle against other people. So my battle here on earth, even though I'm a human being and you're a human being, my battle isn't against Paul. My battle's not against Adrian. My battle's not against any people, but a lot of times that's where we think it is. Because the devil, he gets us to believe that stuff. And so we go through life mad. And so he said, we wrestle not against uh, uh, flesh and blood. Look at the very next word. But, 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 against, and so literally he's telling me here, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Who is that? Who are these yahoos in verse 12 that he's talking about? Now we go back to when the the devil was kicked out of heaven. What happened? A third of the angels went with him. They rebelled too. So this is who he's talking about. So again, he's teaching me spiritually. My fight isn't with other people. This is who I'm battling against. And I've, I've got to really, really get a hold of this. Because what happens is with every one of us in this room, every one of us, there's times the devil will influence people to harass you. Maybe he'll influence you to harass people. So what happens, the devil starts yakking in people's ear, and they, they say, man, I'm going to get I'm, I'm going to harass him. I'm going so if we don't learn to deal with this biblically and spiritually, guess what happens? We get into strife with other people, and we get mad, and Paul says, I'm, I'm going to get pastor. If it's the last thing I'm going to do, I'm going to get him. And I said, man, I'm, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get even with him. And the devil sits back, and he loves it. 
He's the one that's yakking, but it makes it look like that we're trying to fight each other when in reality, this isn't what he's telling us to do in any way. So he's teaching me and you, there is a spiritual battle. Can I give you a little insight on this? In, in 1 Corinthians, it says in several passages, 1 Corinthians 1, I, I, there's two passages, 1 Corinthians 1, 18, 1 Corinthians 1, 25, and then again, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 5. It says the things of God are foolishness to the world. They don't understand this. Now, let me give you a couple illustrations how this happens to me. I go back 35 years ago in my life, and uh, in those times in my life, I, I did a lot, a lot of refereeing. I refereed football, basketball, baseball, and a lot of it was just to make a living. Well, one of the guys I refed with a lot, this, this guy was a man of God. He was, he was a professor at the Bible school I went to. So I was around him usually at least four nights a week. So one night, we're, we're going to ref a baseball game, and I walk out on the field, and I go, oh, no. And he said, what? And I said, man, I had this coach a few nights ago. And I said, he's a real knucklehead. I said, every ball and strike I called, he yacked about ever out. I mean, he just, kick, 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 kick. And so he looked at me, and he said, he did that the other night? And I said, yeah. I said, he, he got me so upset, I wanted to whip him. And he said this, he said, he won't do anything tonight. So the game goes, and I'm, I'm telling you, the guy was an angel. He sprouted angel wings, and I thought, this isn't the same coach the other day. So I get in the van with him, and I said to him, I said, how'd you know he would behave like that tonight? And he said, I'm going to teach you something on the way home. He starts telling me about Ephesians 6, just while we're reading right here. And he said, you got to get this. He said, it's this simple right here. That man is not your enemy unless you look at him that way. And he said, so all I did is use the authority that Jesus gave me. And I said, what would you do? And he said, I told that devil that tries to harass. You're not going to harass tonight. In the name of Jesus, as long as I'm here, you're not going to harass us. And I said, oh, that's too easy. And he said, that's how the name of Jesus is. So you can begin to get, every time I get in the van with this guy, I'm like, okay, okay. Okay, you got to help me, you got to help me. So this is what's going on week after week after week. And so I begin to understand biblically. He would show me spirit, and I'd say, wow, I've never seen this. Fast forward 15 years later. I'm refing a basketball game, and we go out on the court. The guy who's refing with me is a really good ref. He's not born again, though. He doesn't know Jesus. If I said, hey, dude, we're going to bind up the devil tonight, he'd say, they, they need to lock you up in the ha ha hotel. I mean, you're one flew over the cuckoo's nest. You can't tell people that. People who don't know the Lord don't understand those things. So we walk out and he goes, oh, no, look who's here. Well, I promise you, this family, grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, brother and sister, they were the cousins of Lucifer. I, I'm telling you, they were ugly than the devil himself. They could change the whole gym just like that, just like that. They were the epitome of strife. When they walked in, the whole gym would change. And so I'm looking, and one side of me thinking, oh, great, great, great. And then the Lord said to me, said, why do you put up with that? So that night I stood there, and right there, I just said under my breath, I said, in the name of Jesus, you spirits that drive them to try to harass me, 
You won't harass me at all tonight in the name of Jesus. Why did you pray for the other referee? He's not born again. He doesn't know Jesus. If you're not on the team, you don't get the benefits. So I'm telling you, they were brutal to him. I mean, they were so ugly. And, and he came in at halftime and he, he looked at me and said, I'm going to tell you right now. He said, it'll be a miracle if I don't whip every one of them tonight. I've had it with them. And then I promise you guys, he looked at me and he said this. He said, and they hadn't said one thing for you, to you the whole night. Yeah. It's not because I have a big S on my chest, which I don't. But Again, it's to understand the scriptures. Oh, God, I got to marry some people. We better go. Get to the last verse. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Now get this, listen. Take up the whole armor of God that you. It doesn't say that Jesus. Guys, Jesus has done everything he's going to do. He said that you may be able to withstand him. That word withstand there is a verb that suggests vigorously opposing, bravely resisting him. That you may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all to do, stand. Stand. You know what I look like when you stand? You stand and you say, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. This isn't me. This is the name of Jesus. This is the name of Jesus. And so again, I believe this with all my heart. We've got to begin to get a hold of this stuff. And don't put up with those things. Where you begin to say, I mean, just, just, just with a sweetness, but with authority. You're not going to do that stuff in the name of Jesus. You're not going to come against me. You're not going to do those things. I don't need a show of hands. But is there stuff going on in your home that's no good? Is there, is there constant bickering, strife, ugliness? Well, I can hear the Lord saying, why are you putting up with it? That you may be able to stand. That you do something about it. Because guess what? I've given you the name of Jesus. And we go back. That if you're born again, Jesus is Lord of your life. Jesus is saying, listen, I paid a price for you. According to to, uh, Colossians 2.15, he disarmed principalities and powers. He did it. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.